we've gotten a lot of people asking us what it's like to get coached by Mind Pump. Well, now you know, and it's free. That's the best yeah, part about this. Yeah. It's free. We made sure of that because we want to get a lot of people involved in this. Yeah, that's loaded, our big Loaded, loaded yeah. full of information. Nutrition, stretching, corrective exercise, lifting weight, strength, hypertrophy, ugh, cardio. Wellness. wellness. Yeah. All it's all in there. Uh, information on each category. You get an email every day mm -hmm. uh, for about a month. Um, and it gives you links to episodes where we talk about the subjects in detail, YouTube videos that we may talk about the subjects in detail, along with additional information. It's 30 days of coaching by Mind Pump, and it's absolutely free. I don't know if this is something we're going to continue to offer for free in yeah. the future, but right now it, it all is. depends on the response. And uh, what's nice about it is, you know, there's a focus for that day. So a lot of times people just kind of meander around for the day and they don't really have something that, uh, you know, they're looking at is, is something to drive towards that day. Well, we we're trying to provide that through this and it's available to anybody. Just go to mindpumpmedia.com. Pop-up should come up, sign up for the 30 days of coaching by mind pump. Again, it's absolutely free. Send your friends, send your family. Uh, it's very valuable information. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. How about uh, you getting a little testy with uh, Vince Del Monte over there? Who, uh, me? Yes, you. I was there. getting testy? You got, you know what I... I don't I, think so. I think he was spot on. Yeah. I, no, there was no test. There was yeah, no. but I was telling Katrina, I, I, we, were, we were reading it together. Come on, you know me. I'm not the kind of person. No, you're not at all. <laughs> but every once in a while... See, this is... Okay, so this is these are your patterns, right? So oh, Sal likes to... He's you like break, to observe. He's breaking you down. Yeah, I love it. I do observe. You're, we're two alike. It I, makes me annoyed. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I hate you. You're just like me. Yeah. So like uh, Sal has this incredible like Zen discipline about himself that doesn't let anybody ruffle his feathers, even when someone comes on as a page and attacks him, which is different than me, right? If you attack me on my page, I'm going to fuck you up. Where Sal, <laughs> you attack him on his page, and what he will do is he will set a trap for you by asking you nice questions yeah. and you'll walk right into it. It's it. a bear trap. It is a bear trap. Yeah, yeah. But every once a in a while, somebody ruffles his feathers enough that he goes on the offense. And you were a little offensive oh. with Vince Del Monte. You know what? I could see that, Adam, now that you mentioned Thank that. You. Yeah. Okay. So, I was offensive? No, no, offensive, no, not no, offensive. You went on the off offense. offensive. I, I know yeah. sports analogies are hard, but yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, offense you, and a defense. Because I thought you guys <laughs> you were talking about my, me not wearing deodorant again. I was like, what? No, no, no. no. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Offensive, meaning sometimes, and typically you play defense when you do when we do this. I tend to be the one out of all of us that is a little more uh, offensive when we, when we uh, get somebody, right? Like, I, I don't mind kind of being that guy. And it's nice because we have a nice balance between all of us. And you normally kind of backpedal a little bit, mm -hmm. play defense for us. So we're not just like mm -hmm. all a bunch of jerks. But every now and then when somebody that you either, one, you don't like already before something starts or two, they they said something there's, there's, they hit the hot button. And if yeah. they got the hot button, they got the offensive well, side. Well, it's of completely South. wrong. It's kind of hard for you not to. That, well, that's unleash. what it is. Yeah. That's when I get really upset. That, that's what it is. No, I, let I, me, let me, let me, let me go one step further on my evaluation looking back. So right. Sal, 24 hours before that, actually wrote a really good, insightful post about fasting. That, yeah, exact topic. That exact yeah. topic. Oh, did I? Yes, yeah. you did. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was fresh, fresh in your mind. It was yeah. fresh in his mind. He wrote a really good uh, post. And I think that just, uh, especially, I think anytime that we share these, you know, uh, paradigm shattering moments for us or uh, letting you guys inside of our own journey of 
the things we struggled with or the things we've overcame or have learned along the process. I, I believe most people enjoy those most. So Sal did this great post. Uh, he actually sent me that picture of himself half naked first to, for motivation. And <laughs> Which, I told him to fuck off. I was going to Why did he tag me on that? I, don't <laughs> I was like, well, Adam said he needed material. I don't know what he was talking about. I did. So I, I sent him material. I sent yeah. Doug. But I don't know like, you were talking in the about the bathroom. Something. Do you have, you know, lube with you? I felt, I felt, you know, sometimes you're like, you're like, you want to help your boy out. He's like, ah, oh, I need yeah, material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, oh, shit. Here I you go. shared in our, I shared this work. on the forum. Oh, so I'm if so you're on the forum, you got to see the inside of this. So we have a group text that we're all on. And I send Doug. It's very offensive. We had a week this last couple of days that we were with. With Juji Mufu, and he, we took all kinds of photos and video, and Doug has all that. And I said, "Hey, Doug, could you shoot me over some, you know, pictures? I could use some content for Instagram." And Doug says, "Yeah, you know, I'll get it. I'll get it to you. Uh, is when I get back home and I and I upload from the cameras." And I said, "Cool." And then Sal sends over a half naked picture of himself and says, "Adam, here you go. Here's some yeah, content. Here's some content." And bro. I said, "You know what, you weird yeah. fuck? I'm going to post this on my page right now." And he's like, "No, no, 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 don't do that." He goes, and then I thought it was no, no because he didn't want to. He's like, "I'm going to use that picture. Yeah. <laughs> don't be stealing my content. Yeah, don't be stealing my content." So then he did, yeah. but he did a great post. He did a post. Uh, and th- I think this is, we can all relate to this. Um, it was definitely something that we all incorporated when we started incorporating or uh, realized when we started incorporating fasting and that was, uh, just our, our relationship with food and that appetite control and, you know, Vince- well, it's the, it's what it is, is it's the opposite. So there's different types of poor relationships to food that or the, or I should say, Poor relationships to food can display themselves in many different ways, right? You can become anorexic. Or disguise them as. Yeah, you can become anorexic. That's an obvious one. I, I won't eat anything. There's bulimia. Those are the two most common like recognized ones. But then there's eating disorders in our industry where people literally freak out if they don't eat every two hours or they freak out if they don't get uh, you know tons of protein every day or they freak out if they don't eat all this food because they think their muscles are going to yeah, fall off their body. So fasting for people in our industry, especially you know the guys in our industry who are trying to build muscle, it's this wonderful tool to just break that, you know, that that process down to where, oh my God, I don't have to eat every two hours and I, I, I my muscle is not falling off my body and look at all these wonderful health benefits. And then the side effect of that was I get leaner, but I don't fast for leanness. And I think that's where the my irritation came from with uh, with Vince's post. Well, I think that I mean <clears throat> And just to just to remind people yeah. that where where we come from as far as an authority on this position is fuck we did all of that like I mean I was that trainer that thought like that that taught like that and uh, learned the hard way over years and years of uh, training clients and continued to to grow and learn more and you know now when we when we and we just, I just had a question somebody asked this about fasting on our forum you know like hey I've been I've been following the fasting protocol like every day for the last like couple of weeks and. Um, I've noticed my weight isn't going down and this, and right away, like I have to address that when I see that, because, you know, we are all very, very adamant about that. Fasting is, is a, is a tool for health, not a tool for weight loss. And that's where you can create this bad relationship. And it's definitely the message of mind pump is, and same thing when we did keto and we shared that with people is like, listen, you got to stop, you know, hopping from one trend to the next trend to one latest and greatest yeah, thing because you, you want to lose weight because you want to lose weight it's there each one of these you want to focus on the health benefits of it yes. and the longevity of it and then and that was the irritating part too is he was like immediately closing off to all like the scientific information because he's like oh well you know i can't it can't sustain this type of lifestyle and I, there's no longevity with this well that's well, the thing so he made a post and it, his post literally says is fasting a gimmick and then it, it's the title of the video that he directed people to was 
I basically, I think it was something like, I hate fasting or this is why I hate fasting and whatever. And the whole video is basically talking about why he hates fasting, why he never recommends fasting. But his premise is wrong. He's talking about how, uh, you know, fasting is not, is a gimmick. It's not, it's not a great way to lose weight. And, you know, it's, it's not sustainable and just all this. Well, that was the one thing he said, right, was you're right. It's not a great way to lose weight. That's not the idea of it. Now, that's, no, okay, fasting that be- to lose weight turns into anorexia. Yeah. It could turn into, you know, other bad relationships to food. But his whole, you know, the whole premise of it being not sustainable the, or, or, you know, that it's a, it's a gimmick. A gimmick literally means something that was, that's new, that's introduced now, that doesn't really have any value. That won't hold weight later on. That doesn't hold weight yeah. later on. Can I tell you, the truth is if I'm comparing, uh, if I'm comparing methods of eating, if I compare fasting to eating even three meals a day, and we look at the way humans have eaten since we've been on Earth. The f- eating three meals a day is a gimmick. Yeah, that's the one that we recently, relatively recently, introduced uh, into you know our lifestyle. Because for most of human civilizations, people don't fucking eat <laughs> all the time. Not only that, but most cultures, most old cultures, don't promote eating large breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No, l- let alone six meals well, a day. Each breakfast meal, lunch meal, dinner meal. This is all like Marketing. manufactured. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an arbitrary unit of time. You know, spacing between meals. A period of fasting or not having fuel sources sustained the human biology for hundreds of thousands of years. Not only did it sustain it, but if you I mean, luckily allowed it to persevere and evolve. Yeah, and, and the good news, is, the cool thing about Mindpump, one of the cool things about having the show is we get to talk to like the world's leading researchers on topics. So you get to hear like the new shit that's coming out. Yeah, and we've talked to quite a few who are experts in fasting, who are uh, like on the cutting edge, right? And they're saying things like fasting. Uh, you know, uh, fasting is necessary, like activity is. Yeah, you, you know, for long term health, it's not something that you do to better your health necessarily. It's something you suppose you should do because we our bodies evolved. With this process, in fact, we have two systems to operate. It, with. Well, doctor, exactly, Doctor Walter Longo, who's one of the world's leading researchers on fasting, he calls it uh, fasting just a, a separate program. Like you, yeah. you eating is one program, fasting is another program, and if you don't utilize either one of uh, both of them, then you're missing out on all these, uh, you know, all these factors. And for example, prolonged fasting in humans, and again, we're talking about the health benefits here. Prolonged fasting in humans, long fast, five, you know, five seven day fast. It'll shrink your organs uh, tremendously. You'll, you'll notice your liver; they'll see they'll show liver shrinkage by up to forty percent. Now, is that now? Does that that sounds bad? But it's not. In fact, it's a good thing because when then then when people feed themselves, the liver and the organs regenerate and rebuild, and all those new cells that have been added, all that new growth, uh, it, it, they rep- they look like youth. They look like uh, the, right. they represent what it looks like to have a younger, you know, uh, set of cells. In these organs, it actually rejuvenates the body. It reduces risk of cancer. There's all these amazing benefits. And then Vince Del Monte, who's, you know, look, at, here's the thing. I mostly respect the guy. A lot of the information he gives is, is decent. He's good. He's one of the few voices in the fitness industry that's not complete uh, horrible horseshit. But on this particular subject, he, you know, people were tagging me and I watched his video and I was like, whoa, man, you're way mm-hmm. off, dude. Like, I need to, like, you know, I need to check this a little bit. Yeah. And so that's well, it's, all. you know, it's, it's crazy to me that um, I feel like it's so obvious, right? Cause we talk about this all the time, or I use the term that, you know, the, or the, the saying that our bodies are like adaptation machines. 
And it's the same thing goes applies with nutrition. Like we look at it like, okay, so we talk a lot about that when it comes to muscle adaptation or Sal talks about tanning the skin with the sun and uses adaptation. Well, the nutrition is very similar too. You get in this routine of like eating a certain way and in a certain pattern all the time. The, the body just becomes more and more efficient at that. And so it just makes sense that in shaking it up and incorporating fasting, intermittent fasting within your routine, the, the body is going to show positive things. Now abuse that and you're, and stick your, and, and starve the body all the time. And that's also going to have, of course, you yeah. know, adverse effects. Right. So, all the benefits of fasting come from the feed afterwards. This yeah. is something that Dr. Valtolongo talks about quite a bit. He says, look, the benefits aren't during the fast. It's when you Feed yourself. It's all the activation of the stem cells. It's all the the uh, autophagy of all the all the cells that are you know older. That's what happens when you're fasting. Yeah, the insulin then when you, sensitivity. That, yeah, right. then when you feed yourself, they're more responsive. You're going to assimilate food better. I yeah. mean, like you said, like just this this cycling out process, this filtering of old problematic cells that uh, could could lead to cancerous things, could lead to tumors, inflammation. Could lead to inflammation. Here's the thing, like we've we've now connected inflammation to pretty much every chronic disease, but what we don't realize cuz what a lot of people think is that inflammation is the root cause. Inflammation is also a symptom. So if we go in and we attack inflammation with anti-inflammatories with uh, corticosteroids with you know all these different things and we're measuring inflammation as this root cause in reality inflammation is actually a byproduct a side effect of other things that are happening and one of the things that fasting does exceptionally well and when i say exceptionally well this is one of the this is where a lot of money is going into studying fasting is that it really regulates the infl- inflammatory process in the body um, on a level that we've never seen mm-hmm. uh, drugs be able to do with no side effects um, and with other you know, health benefits. So, yeah. you know, when it comes to, I mean, look, let me, <laughs> it's a passion of ours. Let's be honest. Well, it, so that's why it struck a nerve. It's just, and you know, yeah. Adam, you're talking about variety, right? You're talking about your body adapts. And up until the agricultural revolution, which again, if you look at human civilization, modern, modern, you know, modern humans on earth, the agricultural revolution happened, you know, like yesterday. That's how, that's literally how short. Right. When you compare it to time, that. when you compare it in time, this was a great point that you took on him too. Yeah, which is and, great. and most, this is how we live for most of the human civilization and our bodies evolved this way. Okay. So yes, there were definitely things that were bad before the agricultural, agricultural revolution. Like people died of starvation and, you know, before modern medicine, people died of infection, all that shit. So don't use the stupid straw man argument of, yeah, but cavemen, you know, they died of tooth infection. Okay, yeah, I get that. Right. But what we need to understand is we evolved in a particular environment and the way we evolved was with incredible variety. Agricultural revolution eliminated that. Now we're growing crops. So our food is very limited. We're raising cattle. We have corn or wheat or whatever. And then that's what we eat all the time. And we do rotate crops, but it's always the same foods. Well, before that we ate, we literally roamed and eight was around us. What was around us? So yeah. that that included what we found tre- when we found it. A tremendous amount of variety. It included more times where we didn't eat. Humans, yeah. for the most part, didn't eat most of the time, and then ate sometimes. And we know when we introduce different foods or different macro breakdowns into our diet, we can measure and see that your, for example, your gut flora changes. If I'm eating keto all the time, I have a particular gut flora that that looks that matches that. When I go and start introducing more carbohydrates and you know, the types of food, my gut flora changes as well. And we know that variety is the name of the game when it comes to, uh, when it comes to gut flora so far. That's what the research says. Let's be honest. We've solved the problem that 
existed beforehand of, of scarcity, right? Like, like food is in abundance. Yeah, that's so, not a problem anymore. So now the problem is that it's in an abundance. And now we have to, you know, be able to regulate like when we eat. And that that's really like the discipline part of it that we all have to realize like, okay, if food's in such abundance, it actually leads to a problem. And so now we have to address that problem and scale back and introduce fasting. Fuck, it's more than a problem. It's a goddamn epidemic now. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. That's what's killing half the people. Having access to some of these foods all year round is, is abnormal for humans. You know, we brought up crop cycling. We brought up scarcity. Those are things that drove us to move and experience new foods that, you know, relatively speaking with the diet being so uniform now, our gut floors are probably very similar person to person, uh, unless you're like us and we eat diverse, healthy diets. If you were to take a small sample of the human population, I bet you'd find some very, very standard gut flora. What, you, what they've seen is the uh, – because the science still is evolving, but what they're seeing now is that the uh, the variety of, of gut flora generation through generation now – because you get a lot of your, your – so when you're born – um, there is some there there is some evidence now showing that because we used to think the womb was sterile, mm-hmm. but now they're finding there's some bacteria in there as well. It's actually then, an course, interesting point you're making there because there's a huge correlation in, in the vaginal microbiome and the health of the baby. Mm-hmm. And now that we have so many children born via C-section, the first exposure of the the infant is to the microbiome on the hand of the delivering doctor and not the vaginal bacteria of the mother. Correct. In fact, they're doing studies right now where they're doing a, a, a they're they're swabbing. If they do a C-section, they're swabbing the 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 the, the vaginal canal, canal so and then in the mouth and put in the mouth yeah. of the child so that the child gets because the child <laughs> inherits twat smack. Hey man, yeah, you're sucking on her titty when you're wondering why you might as well have some of that. Yeah, wonder why you have this weird vagina fetish when you're ew. It's a little it's a yeasty. Yeah, that's gross. Oh, but yeah, you get it from your mom from the vagina. You get it from breastfeeding, and and so you develop kind of this fingerprint. But through generations. It's getting passed down, passed down, and we're getting this, 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 you know, less variety, uh, less abundance uh, with our with our microbiome, and of course, you can throw in everything from antimicrobial soap, you know, antibiotic soap, I should say, to you know, antibiotics and the food and all that stuff. But I think uh, to say that fasting is a gimmick is, I mean, look, fasting is included in almost every major religion. Um, Hippocrates uh, prescribed it. It is something that is naturally injected into old cultures. If you look at some of the oldest cultures and the people who eat in the traditional ways, you'll notice many of them have very little to eat most of the day, and then they have a larger meal at some point, mm-hmm. either in the evening or middle, uh, you know, or, or you know, in the late afternoon. It just naturally works that way. It's really the modern world that says, "Here's your big breakfast. Here's your big lunch. Here's your big dinner. Oh, right. and make sure you snack in between." That's the gimmick. Yeah. The gimmick is that. So if you call fasting a gimmick, you're 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 either a trying to create clickbait or b you're well. I think horribly that's, I think that's what the poor guy was trying to do. I just didn't. Re- I don't think he realized he was going to walk into a buzzsaw because everybody tagged you on there, and you just did a pa- a post on fasting yourself. So of course. Uh, you're you are going to come defensive when it comes to something or offensive with him when it comes to something like that because I I think that for the most part you know I think Vince puts out some pretty good information out there especially if you compare him to our peers uh, there's just not a lot of people putting out good information that being said he's in the business of getting clicks and making sure he's getting views on his thing and we know from our experience one of the someone asked me the other day like I don't get why your guys's YouTube channel is not huge for all the free great information and daily content you guys give. And I said, well, 
the, well, I'll tell you what we suck at. We suck at doing the we suck at clickbait. We suck yeah. at clickbait. We yeah. don't. We don't. Uh, and we're trying to get we better. Need hot at that. chicks and monster trucks. We're trying to find a way to 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 salvage our integrity while also trying to grow the damn page, which is actually really challenging when you have to you have to do these things to get the click. So, you know, I, I get that. And I, and there's a part of me that, uh, I mean, that's probably why I probably wouldn't have cut his head off over it. Cause he probably in his head thought, you know, there's, he understands the science. Like a lot of, of people are talking about this. Exactly. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people like, are talking about this. They're hot right now. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people are positive, saying positive things about it. I'm going to come out and say the opposite, say the opposite. to, sh- to yeah. ruffle some feathers and get some attention. And it's exactly what he did. He got the attention of guys like us who speak. Actually, if you think about it, it's probably going to give him a lot. I mean, even doing talking about it right now, yeah. he's going to get some attention. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. he bamboozled us. Yeah. Oh. No, it's it. And that's why you got to respect that. I respect the business side and, and mentality that he trumped us. I think it's a very challenging thing to do. I think uh, to try and keep great integrity in this positive. I mean, unfortunately, people like the Dom Diagostinos, Terry Walls, the uh, Longos, these guys, yeah. like nobody's, they have like their, their views are like 30,000 views. I know. And then right before this, we're watching some knucklehead like Bradley Martin on the TV. Who's got a fucking, you know, a half a million people like this. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where this industry is at right now, where that's what people want to see. And it's like, fuck man, it's, yeah. Yeah, as much as we want to believe it's changing, it's still got a long ways to go before the right people are being heard all the time. So it does, it does, and you know, I I mean, I wasn't angry with it. I just went on there and just let's have you know, let's 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 have a conversation about it. It takes a lot to to really get me, you know, heated or whatever. And intellectual conversations—that's not me being pissed off. Um, I can count on one hand. Oh no, you can tell you're not pissed off, but you took the offense. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's not often you even see you take the offense, and you and you definitely did. Actually, I can remember the last time I really got pissed off. Yeah, I don't even. I know if I ever told you guys this. Hmm. Did I ever tell you guys about the time someone threw a basketball at my car when my kids were in the car? What? Yeah, did I tell Uh -uh. you? Do you remember that, Doug? I think I told Doug about that. Dude, I was driving home from my parents' house. I had the kids in the car. I was already pissed off because, uh, you know, uh, this is before I got divorced. So, you know, that that situation was. <laughs> this is what led to the divorce? Uh, yeah. So, well, not <laughs> yeah. this particular, but it was one of the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm driving home with my kids in the car and there's a bunch of kids, probably 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids playing basketball with one of those uh, movable basketball hoops, you know, the one you fill with water on the bottom. Yeah. And they're playing and they see me coming and they move so I can drive by, but they're watching as we drive through. And I'm already thinking in my head, like, I'm in a bad mood. One of these motherfuckers try to do because I know how 16 year old boys yeah, are. Yeah, they're yeah. going to try and act tough, right? Yeah. And they see a mom car because I'm driving, I was driving my ex wife's car, and they're thinking they're going to Was fuck it with a minivan? Uh, it's like an SUV, but kind of a girly one. Oh, wow. So I'm driving through, and this motherfucker throws a basketball at the window where my daughter's sitting. What? Yes. Oh. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, oh, boom, right? Hell so I, no. So I look back, it, nothing, it didn't break the window. Immediate rage. So I look back and I see my daughter's terrified face. And there's, it's, oh my God, what did you, what did you do? Bro, it is very difficult. Probably it is very gif- difficult to, for me to go gorilla. It's yeah. very, very hard. Like, yeah. but when I do, that's it. There's no, I don't know what's going to no, happen. Yeah. Yeah. No I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So boom, I look back, I see her terrified terrified face gorilla mode turned on i fucking flip a you know flip a bitch right there they are all running inside 
thank God they ran inside. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not joking. Because right yeah, now. you're ready to probably pound some kid's face. Oh, I would have been all bad. I would have plowed through him on my car. I would have run through all these children <laughs> oh on my, my car, God, dude, and mind pumped him. That's <laughs> with the mind pump bumper sticker on the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah bro, yeah. that's that's yeah. that's the mentality He's, that. That's, dum, 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 have you ever done? Okay, so Justin, you've got yeah, kids. Yeah. Have you ever like you know what I'm talking about? Like yes, you hear a noise, dude. it's yes. like you go into this protection mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can't. I, like, I can imagine, man. I oh can imagine God. that feeling. Yeah. No, there was there was a moment, uh, you know, at my house where there had been some guy that was notorious for breaking into homes and, and they, nobody had caught him yet. And he like would steal stuff. He'd mess like for some reason he targeted houses with kids and he would like take oh, all the shit are, from kids. I would kill him already. Right. Exactly. So we had heard about this on the news and I was just like, oh, dude, fuck, that's crazy. And uh, so we we heard something outside, and then my kid like kind of screamed, you know, downstairs. And I just like jumped out of bed, went outside, and like, turned all the lights. I was like, "Where the fuck are you?" Yeah. Dude, I'm just like losing my shit, you know. Like I just it was probably just, like a raccoon or something, <laughs> bro. Bro, there's nothing like like literally these random kids could have punched me in the face, and yeah. it wouldn't have been in the same universe. It's crazy though for how, how I felt, and I drove. Dude, so, it's primal, bro. Well, so yeah, I, it is gorillas and bears. Yeah. Like that's like the it's number primal, one. Dude. That's like the number one rule in nature is like don't fuck with a mama bear no, or like no, a you mama. You know no, you saying? scare my kids or you fuck with my kids. It's gonna be so I drove. I'm driving. Like I hit the gas. Right? Oh, they yeah. fucking run inside, yeah. so I couldn't run anybody over. So I pull up their driveway, and I'm just like I said, I don't know what to do because I need like someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah. They all run inside, so I go and I grab their basketball hoop with, with you know the one with <laughs> the base, and I fucking smashed it. I don't know how I did it and I don't even know how much those things weigh. Yes. But I literally grabbed it. I picked it up overhead and I fucking threw it on the ground. I'm like, I love it. And I yelled like, <laughs> I will King Kong you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so then I get in the car because they're all gone. So the, Fuck, the, the, I done the, the, same thing. the hoop is all bent, right? I yeah. get in the car and I start driving away, and now I'm now I'm like coming back online, like okay, yeah. like Sal's back, right? Like, uh oh, now I got to explain this to the kids. So now I feel like, <laughs> yeah. what, da- what was that? Daddy dad? had a moment back, dude. I, okay, let's let's just let's all not tell relax. your mother. Let's not tell yeah. your mother about let's this. Run some Enya, dude. You, if you if you uh, this highlights the difference between my cute my my kids, but both of my kids are very different in in certain respects, and this is one of them. So now I'm driving home, and I'm already like, oh man, I got to say something. Like that was. What I just did was horrible in front of my kids. That was so bad. I'm feeling like I got to say something, right? Yeah. But I'm still kind of heated, right? Yeah. So I can't talk. So my son goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, that wasn't, that wasn't a very good idea, what you did. And so I'm immediately, <laughs> oh no. He yeah. did just call he you right out. He called me out. And he was probably, let's see, he was probably eight or nine, right? So he's like, that wasn't a very good, good idea, what you did. Yeah. Very calm, he said to me. And so I'm already, I'm trying to, like, I'm already, I'm still heated, right? So I'm like, listen, I said, they threw the ball at the window next to your sister. I felt like she was being threatened, and that's why I went over there. Yeah, and I, I lost my temper because I felt very protective. And he goes, I, he goes, I can see that. And he goes, but you do realize that turning around, pulling up the driveway, opening the door actually put us in more danger. He said th- that to you. Yes. Oh, yeah. God damn, that's yeah. fucking wow. smart. Yeah. He's, yeah, he he, he spelled it out. He goes, that actually yeah. put us in more danger by pulling up there. Oh he, my god. He goes, dude. it would have been safer if you kept Ooh. driving. Ugh. So I'm just like, then it just hits you in the gut. You're like, oh well. I mean, right away, I'm like, I told him. I said, you're right. I yeah. said, I apologize. You're absolutely right. I made a stupid decision. I should have never done that. And then wow. we still we're still driving, and like a minute later, my daughter, she's the one that got scared, right? She's in the back, and she goes. But Bob, that was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what matters.
daughters. And, she's, <laughs> and she started telling. You're, you're her hero forever. She told everybody that yeah. kid. Hey, yeah. guess what my dad did? He smashed yeah. a basketball hoop. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He King Kong the shit out yeah. of that. So yeah. that's the last time I really lost my temper. Yeah. Oh, shit. Anyway. That's Here, a good story, man. I like it. Here's, here's the she, eagle. Here she comes. being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Okay, so we have a uh, guest. I don't know what are you guest host, guest producer, guest producer. We're gonna give they both, they both Danny. We're gonna promote him already. So yeah. we we brought our boy Danny back down here again. We thought uh, he's gonna be he's gonna hang out with us on this Q and A. Yeah, you might have heard yeah. him talk a little bit earlier. Danny, We're, you're gonna read the questions to us, Danny. Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah I'm gonna double as as the voice of reason and the <laughs> Q and A reader. As yeah. Doug is sidelined right now. With yeah, no yeah. Mic. yeah, read us the question and then we'll so Eagle Junior. All right. I like that. There you go. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Our title. first question is from Comic Fitness, and he asks, if working a muscle group three times a week is optimal, how many trigger sessions should I perform, and how much volume is too much volume? Okay, so before I before we answer this, let's explain what a trigger session is to the people who may not be familiar. A trigger session is a, a concept uh, that we um, in, came up with or invented and, and kind of branded with our MAPS anabolic program. And what a trigger session is, it's very low uh, intensity movement uh, that you do frequently. Full range of motion. Yeah, like, like- It's what I would call penalty-free volume. There you go. That's a great, I like, yeah, that. I like that. Someone write that down. Yeah. Right. Don't yeah. write it down. I That is Brett Contreras's term, oh, but well, it is still well, exactly we, what it is. Well, son of a bitch. We won't Sorry, call it that. I wish it was mine. Yeah. Come on, man. So, uh, so basically, you have your heavy workouts that you do you know, for your full body, let's say three days a week. On the days in between, you do these kind of pumping- uh, you know, small mini workouts, if you will, low intensity. Um, that very kinda, low intensity, and they maintain the the anabolic signal. Because one thing that uh, that we found uh, in, in many studies have confirmed now is that when you hit a muscle, that muscle building signal kind of peaks at about twenty four to forty eight hours, and then starts to really drop down at about seventy two hours. So, if you're working your muscle groups once a week, twice a week, three days a week. You're getting this peak, but then this drop. And a trigger session's goal is to keep that anabolic muscle building signal up. And and you got to understand that 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 muscle building signal can be very separate from recovering from the recovery signal. So just because you're sore doesn't mean you're building. You may be just recovering. And what a trigger session aims to do is keep that muscle building signal going on. And we recommend in Maps Anabolic three, you know, eight minute trigger sessions a day on your quote unquote off days. The, I, I want you, so you just cleared up and let everybody know that doesn't know what a trigger session is. I think it's important too to clear up even the question because uh, we don't necessarily say that uh, working a muscle group three times a week is optimal, most optimal, because it, that would vary per person. That yeah. would vary. I think on- even more specifically that it varies per muscle group. So, you know, as a trainer and somebody who's very familiar with all of the Max MAPS programs, um, I think the thing that makes them so unique is that in those three times a week, I know this person's referring to the MAPS program, Mm -hmm. the three time a week movements, the compound foundational movements are designed to ensure that you're consistently having a muscle building signal 
across the board so that nothing goes untouched. Um, but in regards to specific like trigger sessions, focus sessions, or accessory work, as many people like to call it, I think it's very dependent on the muscle. And what I mean by that is, um, for example, I train, I can train biceps, triceps, rear delts, um, with a low volume, low intensity, almost every day and never experience, uh, DOMS or any type of fatigue. Those muscles, because of their small size, uh, and they're more highly vascularized often seem to recover much more quickly. I'll take it to, I'll take it even further than that. I, it may not necessarily be muscles. It may just be movements that you're mm-hmm. noticing because a barbell squat, uh, I can hit my quads, uh, all the time. Right. With leg, isolation. Leg, leg extensions yeah. or leg curls. You can do those mm-hmm. almost daily. It's, yeah, it's well, it's movement. muscle damage as well. If if you were to put the tonnage on the bar and go through a, a full range of motion barbell squat with 225, 10 times, that's, you know, if we're talking tonnage, that's 2,250 pounds of tonnage versus a leg extension machine that's only going to utilize the quads and not necessarily their fullest range of motion. So the muscle damage component yeah. of hypertrophy isn't going to... Uh, be as strong with those movements. Yeah, I could see that. Now, uh, for trigger sessions, when you guys were doing them, what did, how many days a week did you guys find work best for you guys? Oh, I was do I was doing them at least three times a week because I was already used to a lot of volume from mm-hmm. like bodybuilding type training and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, it was I felt it almost necessary to if I was going to maintain the physique that I had built off all the volume I did, I wanted to keep that up. So. Yeah, no, I was doing it three times a week, but I think there's a a huge genetic. So the point that I wanted to make was, because we could sit here and talk semantics all day long. The point I wanted to make was that uh, it's designed because we always try, we we try and look at it as a whole, right? Uh, Between all of us, we've trained thousands of people. And, you know, that's how we put together like the, the, the formula. Like, I just want to be clear on that. Like it's, it was designed because we know that a majority of people will benefit most from training this way. And I mean, a large majority of you. Now there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. There's always going to be that genetic freak. There's going to be that guy who could squat fucking four or five days a week, no problem. And see great results from that. So you can, and that, and really, I think the real answer to this is, and this is something I think that all of us, even in this room, are always flirting with this. Like, I know there's a lot of times where I push my volume up because I want to see if I can do that before I start to see detriment, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you got to kind of learn to feel that out. I mean, but you always want to. There's wanna, a bit of flex there. Yeah. We, but we always tell people to start minimal and you know you want to do as little as possible to elicit the most amount of change so start with the volume start with the trigger sessions on the lower end and then progressively move it up and learn to listen to your body absolutely you're talking about the minimum effective dose required to elicit the stimulus versus the maximum recoverable volume which is on the back end of that which is what do you do once you've done uh, too much. What do you do? You continue to add volume. You're going to miss out on everything that came before. Well, you're that. playing catch up. You start go- to take away. Uh, now you're dealing with your body trying to you know catch up and recover. And I'll tell you what. Here's the name of the game with a trigger session. The name of the game is frequency. It's not intensity. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're going to utilize trigger sessions for what they're designed for and and what they work best for, it's not to create muscle damage. It is to uh, it's to cons- consistently and continually send this small signal. The muscle damage workout days are the days, you know, that you do your foundational, your heavy workouts. So, how many trigger sessions is optimal? Well, if you if you modify the intensity enough, 
you could probably do 10 trigger sessions in a day and get great results, but the intensity would have to be very, very, very low. Yeah. And that's the thing you want to focus on. Trigger sessions well, you see are, that, yeah. That's what makes the you MAPS program if, so excellent, in my opinion, is that they take into account the multiple components that drive muscle growth. It's not just murdering my muscle. There's metabolic stress that can be elicited by even the slightest pumping. Like, uh, you know what I mean by that? Like a little bit of a banded <laughs> bicep curl versus a, you know. Danny getting dirty. You know, that stuff's going to work extremely well and it's penalty-free volume. You'll constantly send the signal and you'll be eliciting hypertrophy uh, in, a, in a different mechanism. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just thinking of, you know, getting a new job, a new labor-intensive job. Yeah, your body has to now adapt to this this new stimulus. So let's say like Sal's mentioning like 10 trigger sessions a day. Well, what if I have a new job now that's like more labor intensive that I'm always moving and getting more demand and it's slightly more intense, but it's not like overwhelmingly intense for my body to produce these movements. So it's just like basically setting a new standard. Like my body, I'm getting better at movement in general and I'm overcoming the stimulus. So it's all a matter of you know increasing the dose and and, and feeling how your body responds. Now I've, yeah. I, I've used this example before. <laughs> yeah. If I had Mail a, if I had a new client, brand new beginner client, okay, deconditioned. So someone comes in, they haven't worked out in ten years or maybe never. They have a desk job. Uh, I could easily, easily overdo it with one super ridiculously intense set of squats. I could easily put them into a point where. They mean they're going to hurt themselves or really, you know, be detrimental to their health and their body. On the flip side, I could train them every single fucking day if I monitor the intensity properly. I could literally train yep. them daily. I could train them twice a day. The most deconditioned person in the world, if I if I manipulate intensity, the body has this incredible ability to work with uh, frequency, but intensity. You have to understand intensity is the one you got to pay attention to because uh, in terms of what's going to hurt you. Because intensity, I could be the most fit person in the world, and but my max intensity is always going to be my max intensity. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I can always take that to a level where I can hurt myself. With frequency, I can play with all kinds of variables, and I can work out all the time. And look, I'll tell you what, you're talking about labor-intensive jobs. There's people that are, are construction workers or whatever that work with their hands and hammer all day long and do for years – they do this stuff and it doesn't phase them at all. It's yeah. not a problem. It's the intensity that ends up becoming easy for them and they just do it all day long. Yo, I'll tell you what the problem is, is we have this and, and I don't know where it started, but I even remember being a trainer and thinking this way is like I measured my workout based off mm -hmm. of how sore I was. And this is a fucking epidemic. And it, it, so many people look at their workouts and go like, oh, it was awesome because I'm fucking crippled or, oh my God, it was an awesome workout because I'm so sore. Now the way I think, I think, God damn it. Yeah, I, I did way, up. I did way more than I needed to I mean, to get my maximum results. Soreness yeah. is, is in my opinion, correlated with recovery. I know you guys can probably speak to this, but when you just have a session where you just crush it and the next day you're not sore and you're like, man, I, I don't know why I wasn't sore. It was a really difficult workout. I did new things, all this. But then one day, Maybe you'll do a workout that you might identify as, oh, it's kind of weak. I didn't bring my A game. You don't maybe eat enough. You didn't get good sleep. You wake up the next day and you're, oh, I am so sore. It's more about recovery, in my opinion, soreness. Than, than <laughs> Here's the thing with, with, with soreness. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Soreness does uh, strongly relate to damage, but not always. Um, number one. Number two, is it, uh, is it a good thing or a bad thing? It could be either. 
It could be good or bad or nothing. What, what it is is a terrible indicator of a good workout. 100%. Yes. That's what it is. That's what, what we do know. What we do know is it's a terrible indicator. So that's what everybody needs to get through their head. It's We can go all day long and debate what it's connected to or what it's more from. At the end of the fucking day, right, it is know. a horrible indicator of a good workout. And if anything, it tells me that I could have done a lot less and I could have achieved to achieve the same amount of results. So that's why I'm, that's all I want to get across with these people is when you are training and if you're just, and you're trying to figure out the amount of volume you want to do trigger sessions or, or foundational workouts, I'm going to start at the, the as little as I possibly can. Right. And I'm going to build on that. And, and I'm going to build slowly. I'm not going to, I'm going to go one trigger session a day on my off days. And then I'm going to go two trigger sessions a day on my off days. Then I'm going to go three and I'm going to slowly progress it like that. Maybe it, maybe I stay in that, that arena for one to two weeks and then I go up and then one to two weeks and then I go up again and then one to two weeks and then I go up again. But I'm going to be listening and feeling my body out and I want to slowly progress up there. Not like try and figure out what's the magic formula for and you. Me. You know, it's funny too. Yeah. Uh, trigger sessions, when done properly, uh, will facilitate recovery. So yeah. if you're doing trigger, trigger sessions right, it not only will it not hamper your recovery from your heavy workout, it should help it. It'll actually, it'll actually accelerate your Well, recovery. I think that's how you have to think of them. I mean, that's the oh, best use of trigger sessions. Is, excellent yeah. point. Definitely. Next question, Dan. Needs Iron asks Why do people deflate after stopping steroid use? And what's with women using Anivar? Okay, so two things we need to talk about here when you're on steroids. When you take anabolic steroids, depending on which types you take, initial gains uh, come from two things. The strength gains come from uh, working with your CNS. So people can take steroids and right away they'll notice a strength gain, especially if they're the oral variety. That doesn't mean you built more muscle. It just means your CNS is probably working uh, a little bit better in that particular capacity. Which anybody who's taken it knows what that feels like, where you literally took your shot or your pill the day before, and then all of a sudden you're lifting 10 pounds heavier on your bench yeah. press, and you yeah. notice that every yeah. time you get back to your bench. Now, number two, uh, and by the way, the faster acting ones will display that even better. So there's your there's some of your evidence. And number two, the initial weight gain that you get from steroids is not muscle. It is More water. Water retention. Yeah, it's water retention. So uh, I remember, God, back in the day, you know, people would take uh, some of the classics like Dianabol or Anadrol, especially, which are these oral Good old classics. Yeah, these oral activate, you know, active, uh, very, very harsh on the liver steroids, but they have this incredible ability to make you retain water to the point where someone would take Anadrol and would notice they gain like a pound a day almost. It wasn't muscle; it was water. So the immediate, if you stop taking steroids. The first thing you'll notice is water loss. So, oh my God, I stopped taking D-ball and I lost 10 pounds in a week. Well, you didn't lose muscle yet. You probably lost a lot of water. But the second reason why people deflate after top, stopping steroids is the reason why you built all that muscle on the steroids is because you were sending this loud hormonal signal telling you to build muscle. Now that you've stopped that loud signal, it's no longer there. Your body adapts in the other direction. Uh, not to mention, a you you probably have depressed hormones because when you're on anabolics, the there's a you know the HTPA axis, which is you know the the, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland and all these uh, these these uh, areas of the body that that can can uh, pick up on on outside hormones and will reduce their own production of of hormones. So now your body's producing less, significantly less, when, or none. When, yeah, when you start to incorporate, especially with the androgenic, uh, well. When I'm speaking about an androgen, I'm talking about testosterone. But 
the anabolic compounds aren't as heavy on the HPTA as when you start to use testosterone, which is usually going to be the base of whatever you decide to do. And a normal man's going to find that he's between 300 to 900 nanograms per deciliter of blood of uh, free testosterone, not free testosterone, serum testosterone. Now, when you start to utilize these androgens and you spike your serum testosterone levels five to tenfold, you're going to have much more increased muscle protein synthesis. Of course, the, the protein you ingest, uh, whether it's in the what we would identify as the effective to healthy range or even in the overkill range, is going to have a much higher likelihood of being um, turned into muscle tissue. When you stop taking that, you could expect your natural range, whatever you were probably at before, to be lower in that 300 to 900 range. And probably you will start to atrophy probably very quickly. Zero. People don't realize. And you, and you made it. You actually. Uh, if you're lucky enough to get that thing going again, there's actually you actually uh, just there's actually a common myth that the androgen, the more androgenic hormone is, the more it shuts you down. This is true if you're using small doses. The doses of, of anabolics that people use to build muscle, they all shut you the fuck down. I don't care if you. Oh yeah. You use Winstrol. You can use whatever you want. You take effective dose, your testosterone levels are going to they're, shit. They're going to rise. And and then the last thing I'd like to add is, let's say you're on a cycle and you've been using these for a while. You've just you've learned how to train your body in this new state. You go off of them, your it's workout sucks. Depressing. Yeah, that's the, the hardest thing about coming off of a, a steroid stack is the mental component, hands down. The only the thing that I've had the hardest time with is, you know, the, the week before that. You know, you were this strong, and the week before that, you were even stronger. It's like you literally watch, just like you watched yourself increase strength like every week, and that was super ex- exciting and motivating. It made you work harder, train harder, and more consistent and more dialed. The same thing happens when you go the other direction. So when you come off of it, which is also why there's, uh, you know, you, Mind Pumps talked a little bit about steroids. We don't, we haven't addressed it that uh, um, uh, that often, right? So. I think it's good for us to talk a little bit about it. And I think that this is the this is the ugly side of it that no one really shares is is the mental game that you have to go through, you know, after you come off, unless you decide you're going to be on it for the rest of your life, too. So it's like it's one of those things that once you dabble in it, okay, either one, you may be committing yourself to going down this road for the rest of your life, or two, be ready for when you come off, you're going to go through this this kind of depression that you may have never experienced before. And a lot of people can't handle that. And that's where they get addicted to it or that's where because they can't handle being looking smaller because they have they have attached themselves so much to their their look and their aesthetics and they were at the peak and the height of it when they were at the peak and height of their testosterone dosage and now they have to lower it or get off of it and then it's just a it's a tough testosterone tough is the hormone that we associate with the male characteristic of dominance and and a lot of the things that you would see in if you were to start to use steroids at um it would not, like you're saying, Adam, it would not be pretty to lose muscle and essentially be dropping rapidly in the hormone responsible that for making you feel like a man all at one time. That would be very destructive oh, yeah. you to the psyche, to- and it would probably cause even worse body image issues than before. Well, you talk to, I mean, okay, here you are. You're a guy, right? You're taking steroids. You're building all this muscle. You feel great. <clears throat> you're horny. You're, 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 you feel aggressive. You feel alpha. Now you go off. You're losing muscle. Your workout doesn't work anymore. All that extra protein makes you shit yourself now. You feel like you're feeling horrible. Uh, gains in the gym are, are, are just quickly disappearing. You can't fuck your girlfriend because you can't get a boner. 
because you uh, got now, soft titties. You got you, yeah. You might you, you start to get side effects. This is usually this is when side effects sometimes will really kick in hard. Uh, now you can see why there's a psychological. Well, and I think what we th- why we spoke out a long time ago about this and why um, why we're so anti people going this route is because what ends up happening, and this is what's most common with like my peers and people that I know that utilize uh, testosterone or steroids or any PEDs for that matter, that they now connect that with the best shape of their lives. And so, and that that's what got them there. And it's unfortunate because their programming is shit, mm-hmm. their diets all over the place. But when they take this, this testosterone, it does, because you can get, when we say this all the time, when you're on that shit, you can get away with a lot more. You can get away with a poorer diet. You can get away with poorer sleep. You can get away with shitty programming because you've got this crazy signal that your body is sending to build muscle all the time. Then you take it away. Then it deflates because you know why? Because your programming sucks, because your nutrition sucks, because your stress levels, because all the other things you don't know how to address. So what I always tell people, like, and I don't, of course, I get plenty of people that want me to help them with that or, you know, what would you do? And I always tell people, listen, if you're for sure this is the direction you want to go and you're going to get into competing and you see the the benefits to you of taking it and you're going to do it no matter what then do yourself a favor and learn how to dial all those other things in first to where you can get yourself to the latest level of fitness and conditioning before you try and take something like that on top of it. Otherwise, you're going to connect that that physique or those results that you got through the testosterone, and that's the only way. Yeah. And the same thing goes for these girls with bikini and anabars. Yeah, that's the second part of the question. Yeah, it's the second part of the question, and it's the same thing too. I mean, I, I got this all the time when I would get girls so that we're competing and they would tell me that their last coach told them, Oh, to take this, this, and this. And I'm just like, well, have you done a show without taking that? And they're like, no, that was just like the protocol. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, we don't even know how your body responds naturally. Like, let's figure that out first. Let's see what happens when we actually dial you in all natural, all normal. And then if you come to me and you're like, Adam, I really want to do this. And then of course I'll show you how you would do that. But I don't think that you need to definitely do that before you figure Dude, out how to get in shape steroid, without it. Steroids and women is is a you know look to each their own, but man, however, the whatever the effects are on a man when he takes steroids, you can multiply that times uh, you know tenfold when a woman takes uh, anabolics. I mean, she's literally taking male hormone. In fact, if you're a woman and you wanted a sex change, that's what they would do is they would put you on steroids. Anavar is just a milder or lower dose version. And so they try to say, oh, this one's good for women. No, you're still taking male hormone um, and you're still going to experience side effects, some of which are uh, irreversible. You're a woman and you go on steroids long enough, you'll, your clitoris grows. Uh, and believe me, if you don't believe me, you can Google you know, female bodybuilders. <laughs> don't do clitoris. it. I went down there oh, one God. time. It, oh, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. They look like pinkies. Like oh, It's like a small dick. It is weird. Um, you know, you, you get acne, you lose hair, facial hair. Uh, I know women who went on anabolics, low doses for a while, and now they grow facial hair. And guess what? It doesn't go away. Uh, now they have to deal with that, you know, shit all the time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I mean, if you're a highly competitive and that's how you make your living, like I get it. If you're the average person... I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't it, see the, the, the benefit. I don't, I don't like telling people do or don't, but I just tell people to do yourself a favor and at least do these other things first. Show yourself that you, cause that really like you be a, most people, I surprise them what they accomplish without that. Like that's most people have this perception that because of course my peers, including myself and everybody on these magazines or anything, they take all this 
all these exogenous hormones. And so they think that, oh, that's what you have to do if you want to see this elite level physique. And it's like either this or that. And it's not like that. There's a way for you to get yourself in the best shape of your life, discipline yourself nutritionally, program-wise first, then assess yourself. Then if you feel like you want that because you want more than what you have, then that's to each their own. I'm not going to tell somebody they they should or shouldn't do something, but I definitely think that it's in your best interest to at least figure out how to do that piece. If, if, if not, you're setting yourself up for some psychological shit later on, for sure. Excellent. Next question. 500 days of fuck you, asks, You just said a bad word. <laughs> what are the top three things people do every day that promote poor muscle recruitment patterns? Ooh, this is, this good is, question. Yeah. yeah, it's a good question, but it's an easy answer. It uh, is. Whatever they do the most, yeah. that's it. I mean, if you sit down a lot, that's what you're doing. Right. To, that's that's the kind of recruitment pattern that you're promoting. Well, and he says that because nobody is standing there in the anatomical position all day. That's yeah. how he can get away with that, saying that. But that's that's pretty much sitting, right? Sitting, most people sitting are- Sitting, in my opinion, definitely number one. Yeah. At least when you're standing, bro, if you stood all day long, at least you're having somewhat to activate your core and there's some sort of engage, muscular engagement I, where you could be slouching in a ch- – if you're sitting in a chair, I mean, that's – depends too how you stand. Like, uh, yeah. like for example, I have – Well, yeah, no. I course. have family members that work in banking and, uh, and a lot of my cousins, younger cousins, started in banking and they would be a teller, right? And some of them are girls and so they wear these heels and they're standing behind the desk in heels all day long. And they're really uh, promoting a horrible recruitment pattern in their foot, ankle, all the way up to their hip, low back, yeah. and then it travels up the you know travels up the chain. Yeah, I, could, I mean, look at the shoes. Like, look look at the different types of shoes we all wear, and like how much we're limiting uh, the musculature there in the bottom of your feet from even being activated. It's so eye opening when you really kind of peel back and you establish new patterns where you're walking around more barefoot and you're opening your toes apart. And, you know, you just start to like notice all these little nuanced things that impact your life so much because you do them so often. So it is, it is pretty much what you do the most. You have to really evaluate that and see how it's either putting you in a detrimental position or it's optimizing. Encounter it, encounter it. And you know, what's funny for people who don't, who are like, Oh, what are they talking about? Look, there's extreme versions. In uh, you know medieval uh, Japan, foot binding was very very popular, very common. Women, when they were young, they would start binding their feet because it was in fashion to have these tiny 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 Doug little little feet. Uh, it was a China. It was China. Fuck, yeah. I knew it's I fucked okay. up. It was in China. We're helping you. Anyhow, they would bind their feet because they felt like it was attractive, and so these girls they would bind their feet with cloth, and they would do this through most of their life. And we actually have, you can Google these and look up pictures of what these women's feet look like when they would take off the binding. And the foot, it molded and shaped and it looks like a hoof almost. Like the toes are tucked underneath and mm. so that they can fit into these tiny shoes. Super sexy. Yeah. You, brutal. Your body will, your toes. body literally. <laughs> Stop it. That's gross. Your butt. You can't do a can't do a can't do a foot job with those mouse, feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I am with feet already. Uh, dude. Uh, All right, come but on, it, come on, guys. They, we needed that visual. I'm going to eat later, dude. Yeah. Your body will mold to what you do. Literally, will mold to what it does. I mean, people who develop a humpback. That's, well, that, that's from poor that's, posture over time. That's an extreme analogy. And just to give people an example. Yeah, that's an extreme analogy. I mean, we're we're, we're so extreme. we're so interior driven that you know some simple things like you know so Salas talks about uh, or was talking about repatterning, right? Would be doing the opposing. So that's why too. Uh, 
a good sign of a really good trainer too is more than likely he spends a lot of time in the posterior chain, right? You're doing a lot of rowing. You're doing a lot of, you know, deadlifting type movements because we know that, you know, 99% of the population is all anterior driven. Yeah, yeah. So anterior driven that their body's coming is closing. It's closing. It's rounding forward just to envision that 80 year old guy that's holding a walker. And that's what we're, we're all heading that direction and some more extreme than others. And some at a slower pace, some at a faster pace, but the bottom line is we're all heading that way because everything we do is in front of us, right? Everything we, we drive, we write, we text. Do, yeah, text, we do everything in, in front of us all day long that we, sh- we are just over time shaping. the body. So the best thing that we can do is to work all those opposing muscles. That's what's going to try and help the repatterning, help rebalance the body out. And to be honest, you can't, you can't do enough of it. I mean, cause you're, you're going to be, you're nothing you say, you're, you're going to be sitting, you're going to be on the computer. You're going to have to text. You're going to have to drive. So you can't eliminate those from, from your day, but now you just become more aware of it. Like I'll give you something right now that it's uh, happened to me. So my hips, uh, I start to get, uh, like pain in my hips, uh, when I drive, especially if I drive for like an hour or longer. And it took me a while. It took me until we hung out with Brink before I could f- figure out exactly, uh, where the disconnect was. And it was, you know, the internal external rotation of my, my right hip. And you could tell, you could tell when we went, we started to do different movements and we were going through some of our prime stuff and creating our next program. And all of a sudden, like this light bulb went off and I went, Oh my God, I just need to be, I just need to prime my body before I sit down in, in the car for that long. And sure as shit, I yeah. go through some of these movements that are setting, setting me up with good patterns before I sit in this, this position that's going to create more bad patterns. At least that it nullifies it from me getting or the actual pain because it was so, it was so, I'm so bad. I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah. uh, it's funny, uh, of, of all the programs that we have, Prime gets the most, uh, I, I guess I would say critical acclaim. Um, from people who are, are professionals in the industry. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I thought about this the other day, and you really reminded me right now, Adam. When you're priming your body, what you're doing is you're kind of – it's almost like you entered a program and you said, this is what your pattern's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and if you set the right program up, uh, you really save yourself you a like lot. You, like, coded it. Yeah, you, you taught it what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what priming is. And does that have an impact on pain, muscle gain, Fuck yeah. performance, fat loss, all that? Fuck, huge. Big time. Huge, huge, huge benefit. Oh, it so. was a night. It was, I mean, I'm talking like the, the type of pain that I was starting to get in my hip, especially I know too when I've been heavy loading, right? Uh, like in our program, like if I'm going through phase one, like because if you guys, and I know every, there's a lot of people that should be able to relate to this. You know, when you're, and I say phase one, that means we're heavy lifting, right? So I'm doing one to one to five repetitions. So a, a much, much heavier load is on my back or I'm pulling. And it's crazy when, whenever I go through that part, all the dysfunction that I have is just like, it lights up. Like you can just see the, the imbalances are like, are multiplied by 10 when I'm heavy lifting. This is why some people are scared of it because they're like, you know, I don't want to hurt myself. Well, I'm not hurting myself, but what I am doing is I'm, I'm being able to point out these, these dysfunctions that I have. And I have also have that with my right scapula my, or the right side of my scapula. I have a hard time with retraction on that side. And it's not like the average eye would look at it and wouldn't even be able to tell, but it's enough that when I pull really, really heavy weight, I notice it. I notice my body not firing. Then I notice small areas that I have pain. 
my hips are the same thing too. And it's my right side. I have this slight pronation in my ankle. That little bit now has a difference on how I externally rotate my feet. And because that, because of that, I have this poor recruitment pattern. Because of that poor recruitment pattern, when I sit in a, in a seat longer than 30 minutes, all of a sudden I get this pain. But when I go and I prime my body before I go sit in that car, oh, it's, it's gone. 100% gone. No problem whatsoever. But I have to put that work in because what am I doing? I'm create, I'm still Mm -hmm. creating uh, these bad patterns all the time because it's part of my life. So, you know, your goal is to just be trying to combat that as much as possible. You can never do too much. Next question, sir. Crazy JRO asks, why are soy products bad? Oh, what a loaded question. He's crazy. This is very, very good question. So, uh, first off, if you, if you study, if you look at longevity studies, okay, and you look at cultures where people live the longest, you'll find that many Asian cultures have uh, some of the best uh, longevity in the world. Okinawa, for example, uh, has an incredible rate of people who live to 100 it's in the and blue beyond. Zone. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the blue zones. Uh, they, you know, they have a lot of centurions. And you'll find in general... Uh, again, the, the many of these Asian countries have uh, better or, or longer lifespan and low, less rate of disease than uh, Western societies. And much of that is attributed to their diet. And many of them eat lots of soy products. But on the other side, now we're hearing that soy has got some bad, uh, potent, some bad qualities. Uh, soy has been connected to uh, estrogen-sensitive type cancers like breast cancer, maybe even uh, you know, uh, they, they contain uh, nutrients that can cause issues with your thyroid. Uh, so I believe they're called goitro, goit, goitroins. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. These are, these are things that if you consume a lot of them, they can re- that you can get a goiter, which is where your, your thyroid enlarges mm. and stops producing lots of thyroid. And um, it can cause inflammation. And, and these are all studies that are consistent. Now, what's the deal, right? On one hand, we have people who are living a long time eating lots of soy. On the other hand, we've got all these studies showing that soy is bad for you. Well, the difference is the soy, okay? The soy that the Asian cultures eat is not the same, nor is it prepared the same as the soy that we eat here in America. Ours is genetically modified. Well, besides that, we're going to get there, is they eat fermented soy. Most of the soy products that you'll eat in these Asian Mm. cultures, especially the older, you know, these uh, Asian societies that eat the older way, because obviously if you go to, you know, Okinawa and Japan or whatever, you'll find now lots of Western diet eating, right? But if you go and you look at the older people and how they eat, they eat a very traditional diet. It's lots of fermented soy products, which the fermentation product uh, process it eliminates many of the anti-nutrients that are found in soy. It changes the way that phytoestrogens uh, react to the body. Of course, fermentation increases or, or adds, you know, beneficial bacteria. Mm-hmm. The soy that we eat here is highly processed. It's probably coming from super highly processed, you know, toy, tofu, uh, American style. It's not fermented. Very few people eat tofu, eat fermented tofu. They eat the regular, you know, unfermented tof- tofu. Or they eat a shit ton of soy in vegan products like a veggie burger or, you mm-hmm. know, fake ribs and it's all soy, super highly processed. I mean, you look at the back of the package on that and it's like a shit ton of product uh, of, of ingredients and the soy in there is so adulterated yeah. that it's, it doesn't really even count anymore. Uh, not to mention, soy is one of the major crops 
in America. You can put it, you know, yeah. soy, wheat, and corn. That's it's in it. in like everything. Everything. It's yeah. in they everything. They sneak it in everything. They, they yeah. add it. They add it in there as a thickener, as a uh, you know, as yeah. an so ingredient. We're, just, we're literally oversaturated. With we're soy. oversaturated with bad, unfermented, processed to fuck yeah, soy. Yeah, that version. Yes. And then on top of it, soy is along with corn the most modified uh, crop in uh, modern societies. And I mean genetically modified mm-hmm. um, and sprayed to fuck with uh, glyphosates, yeah. the herbicides. Uh, and that's the thing you got to watch out for now. Now they're, they're connecting glyphosates to uh, fundamental alterations in your microbiome. Uh, so that's happening. Glyphosates themselves have been named a uh, a a highly it's highly likely a potential carcinogen. This is by the World Health Organization. So now you're eating all this soy and all these products that you're not even you don't even know soy's in it, but it's in there, especially if it's in a box or package. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting exposed to daily super low doses, but daily doses of glyphosate residues. You multiply this over the 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you get now higher rates of uh, uh, you know cancers and issues with your gut and all kinds of different products. So. Soy products in America, I'd avoid them completely. If you eat lots of fermented soy and you eat it's a natural non-GMO soy, uh, lots of benefit. Uh, but you know, I, again, and they've even connected it to healthier prostates and other things in men. Where do so. you even find fermented soy? Uh, I've Whole never Foods. seen Whole Foods will have it. Yeah, you'd find like fermented tofu or you know, it'll uh, label it though. Yeah, I don't even know if it's is it called tofu or is there something else when it's fermented? I'm not 100. percent Natto, which is a fermented. There you go. That's the fermented bean. Um, lots of studies connected unfermented soy to malnutrition, dige- digestive stress. I'm reading off a list here, by the way, of things mm. I wrote down. Immune system breakdown, cognitive decline, repu- re- reproductive disorders. Here's one. You feed your kids shit tons of soy, uh, especially the processed unfermented soy. There is some loose connection, and there's more and more science coming out that that's actually supporting this, that you can A – Potentially set your send your daughters into uh, early um, puberty, so they're getting the pu- you know they could get their periods earlier and, and the you know developing breast tissue earlier because of the phytoestrogens. And B boys are getting undeveloped gonads, so your testicles are not not growing as much. Uh, uh, they're getting less developed penises. These are of course all hormone sensitive uh, tissues, um, and uh, p- maybe higher instances of uh, you know psychological. Uh, type disorders. So uh, I, I definitely say, um, like with all super highly processed products, just I would avoid. Um, I would I would avoid them and stay away from them. And if you take a protein powder and it's soy, you know, I would go with the most mm. natural, you know, based one. Or if you're vegan, go hemp. Hemp is a good, you know, mm-hmm. vegetable protein. You know, still going to be processed. This is the this is the the bone that I always have to pick with the high and mighty uh, vegans that like get so like yeah. uppity about the the way they eat. And it's I find it so comical because let's let's I mean we just talked about um, Rhonda Patrick recently and like uh, Terry Walls and the amount of, of vegetables that we should be eating. So I mean I we definitely that's and I think that's the the best benefit of a vegan diet is that it forces you to eat a ridiculous amount of veggies in comparison. So the real benefits are coming from that. The, you cutting out meat and then trading it in for all these soy products. Yeah. yeah. You're really, you're seriously like robbing Peter it's to funny, pay. Yeah. It's funny how that works on both sides. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right? Yeah. You're robbing Peter Meat to pay. Meat eaters Paul. aren't eating enough, you know, 
uh, vegetables. Meanwhile, you know, on the opposite end, you're going to end up with shitty soy versions of meat. And and so the real takeaway is you should be eating whole foods, whole foods. And if you and if you are, we're going to get the meats. You're going for grass fed, organic type stuff, and then your and your vegetables, the same thing. And if you're going to be vegan, you shouldn't be eating all the all the soy products. Here's a great. This is just it. Soy is my favorite example of of how we need to look deeper, right? So people who make soy products, Amer- American producers or Western producers of soy products, these highly processed products that we're talking about, they will say things like, you know, in- increased soy consumption is shown to reduce heart disease, reduce prostate cancer risk. It's, uh, it's better for longevity. They'll, they'll quote these studies, which are true. They are accurate, but they're lumping, un- they're, they're lumping fermented natural soy with this other highly processed soy products. These studies done that show all these population studies that show benefits of soy are doing it on the old school fermented soy products. They're not doing them on, they're not taking people in a, in a, in a lab and saying, here's some, you know, highly processed GMO unfermented soy. Let's take this and let's look at your health. That's not what's happening. So they're lumping it all together. Uh, and they're saying, Oh, soy is good for you. And they actually did this in, in the, in the late nineties. They pushed this very, very heavily and soy consumption went through the fucking roof. One of the worst things that I see, uh, that I, I'm like, don't do this, um, is give your baby, Soy-based uh, formula. I mean, oh, some people, and this is this is unsubstantiated, but there are people in the industry that I respect that will make this statement. They'll say something like, "Feeding your kid uh, uh, soy products is the equivalent of giving them like a, a piece of a birth control pill every day because of the phytoestrogens that they're that they're being exposed to." And by the way, phytoestrogens are chemicals that are found in plants that have some type of an affinity affinity. For estrogen receptors, in other words, they will interact with the estrogen receptor in your body some in some way. And it, in, when anytime you have something that attaches to a receptor, if, even if it's very weak, it causes that receptor to express itself, even in, even in a very very small way. But it will cause some kind of an action um, to that particular, or block the action, I should say, of that of that receptor. So phytoestrogens can either A, block the estrogen receptor so estrogen can't attach to it, uh, but we know that's not happening. What we actually see that's happening is that it's actually activating it a little bit. And so over time, you have it's like you have extra estrogen in your body. So I don't feed my kids uh, soy products mm. at all. And if I do, I'd go definitely the fermented route. Yes. So with that all being said, listen, if you like Mind Pump, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you're going to get a free mind pump t-shirt you can also find us on instagram at mind pump radio you can find me at mind pump sal adam's at mind pump adam justin's at mind pump justin doug's at mind pump doug and danny where can they find you i'm at smart strength fitness smart strength fitness thanks for listening thank you for listening to mind pump if your goal is to build and shape your body dramatically improve your health and energy and maximize your overall performance check out our discounted rgb super bundle at mindpumpmedia.com The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee. 
And you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is Mind Pump.